Hi, welcome to the Get Curious with me, Nigel Torovich. Today is a really exciting episode because we're not only learning about career paths, but I'm also joined to the guest. Our guest today is a London-based actor and theatre maker. She studied at Ecole Philippe Coulier, which is a prestigious French theatre school. She also has a degree in neuroscience from UCL, as well as teaching science and maths. So a warm welcome to uh, Tanya Kubrick. Hello. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, I just want to chat about because you have a really interesting arc. So you do, as I mentioned before, you do neuroscience and then you went to study actressing and now you're actress and teaching. In terms of a career path, I think that's really interesting. So let's start off by, do you want to talk about like how you got to what you're doing today and everything like that? Yeah. Um, how did I get to what I'm doing today? Even even that stuff has now changed because now I've sort of had to rejig, especially during coronavirus stuff yeah, um, with regards to moving away a little bit from theatre and live performance and focusing a bit more on writing and filmmaking um yeah. I've just I've just always been trying to follow what I what I genuinely feel interested in I never had like a big idea of what I was going to be or become later in life I knew that I adored connecting with an audience I did that first through playing piano when I was younger and it was it was something that was like very sacred to me in, in a way um mm. playing you know publicly and yeah connecting with an audience and then when I discovered drama and the more kind of collaborative side of that um because I was just sort of by myself playing piano um and yeah once 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 I discovered sort of the collaborative side of performing in theatre and devising and being experimental and exploring sort of more unsettling and surreal places for an audience um Mm. with theatre because I was just sort of trained in classical music I I got very excited about that um I decided to apply for neuroscience because I knew I had to I knew I had to go to university and that was something that was important not only to me but also to my family (laughs) and I I decided to choose something that I thought well whatever I do after this degree um this degree will not be a waste of time this degree is something that I am genuinely interested in learning about even if I don't end up being a you know a researcher or working in a lab yeah um I also applied to drama school because I really wanted to go to drama school at the time and I had an had a pact with my parents I was only allowed to apply to one drama school so I applied applied to Guildhall and um I was lucky to get to the final round at that stage and the final round was on the same day as my last exam my chemistry exam at school and I have to say I kind of screwed up both like I just couldn't take the the sort of pressure of those two things in one day I had to like travel down to London for the final round and then travel back up to Bishop Stortford to to sit my final exam and it was a lot lot. and um yeah it kind of I, I I had a one big bad day that day and funnily enough though on that day interestingly I was I was in the same final round as Michaela Cole, who did um, I May Destroy You on BBC. 
And I remember, oh, wow. I know. I remember seeing her in the room because, like, what they do in the final round, they put you all like in one room and then they basically split you in the middle and they call out the names yeah. of like who's in and who's out. And I remember literally the only person that I remember from that whole day is Michaela Cole because she just has this like <laughs> incredible energy around her as she's like pacing about. She's literally just incredible. I'm such a fan of hers. So yeah, so that was just like a mini tangent about about the experience. <laughs> that's okay, that's but, really um, I know she's just yeah, she's from another yeah. planet. So yeah, so I I almost screwed I screwed up this chemistry exam. I screwed up that last audition, and I actually um, just missed my first choice, which was UCL at the time. Right, right. And then um, because of this bad chemistry result, <laughs> and they luckily they still let me in. I like scraped in to get in. Um, and then I started my degree there. And so I, I sort of started from quite like a wobbly place because I was like, oh, my gosh, I felt really, really low in confidence in, in, in many, many things. Um, and right. I just thought to myself, OK, this is like a chance to start again. I'm going to like throw away all the performing stuff. Like I'm not going to do anything to do with the drama society. I'm just going to like focus on my degree. I'm going to be somebody totally different. Wow. Um, and that like pretty much lasted two weeks <laughs> and then <laughs> and a friend from my course was like please can you help me be in my play like please I really need like another performer and I was like I don't know what you're mm-hmm. talking about I don't know why you think I would want to perform in a play <laughs> at all and he and he was like I just think like I just think you could do it come on blah, blah, blah. and and I did it and then I just slowly rolled back into it and the University Drama Society was taking a taking two plays to, to festivals that summer one was going to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival and one was going right. to Avignon Off Festival in France which is a fantastic theatre festival it is incredible it is much really? more sort of um, theatre based than comedy based I would say Edinburgh Fringe is very much dominated by comedy and yeah. um, right. and it's just like Edinburgh but with less rules basically <laughs> um, Avignon Off is a bit more eclectic and dare I say artsy dare I say it Ooh. yeah it's it was an awesome awesome experience we were the only English troupe that year that went right, okay. um, and we did like a adaptation of a silent film for stage called The Cabinet of Dr Caligari it was it was wonderful it was like a um silent cinema in real life it was it was yeah. very funny we made it quite sort of humorous as well um that makes me think of how so you went to uni and it's like when they say if you love something let it go and if it loves you back it will come back oh did they say that like, oh. yeah that's like the whole phrase and that makes me think of that so you loved acting and you let it go and then it came back to you so it's like a match made in heaven it did come back to me and it's funny because even hearing you say acting I'm like is that the thing is that the thing that is 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 the thing that I'm obsessed with and I'm I almost like I almost don't know if that is just by itself for me it's about it's about making art it's about sort of making making something that you can share with people I've been watching this wonderful uh film course by somebody called Mark Cousins a filmmaker and presenter and documentary filmmaker called 40 Days of Film that he made in quarantine Mm. and um he talks about films being like a magic carpet ride and I think theatre's that too if it's done if it's done well with imagination yeah. it can it can take you somewhere else and I'm I'm obsessed with that yeah that's what I really really love and of course being the performer or being the actor you're like at the very front line of delivering that 
um, yeah. but being in the rehearsal room as a writer or director or choreographer or set designer, they're very exciting things as well. And you're still sharing your craft with people. Yeah, it's one big team. Like nothing would happen. Like the fantasy wouldn't happen without everything all together. Absolutely. Yeah. And and that's sort of also the really special part is, yeah, working in this team. So, so yeah, I did that. And then um, carried on working through my degree and I thought to myself okay I'm going to try and do both I'm going to try and both do science and make theatre and it's going to be great and I'm going to manage to do that um, yeah. so I finished my degree and I was lucky to get a uh, position working as a junior researcher in a oh, wow. neuroscience lab as like off the back of my third year project and I thought okay great I'm going to work in the lab part-time and then part-time I'm going to do auditions and do workshops and be part of be like you know be making shows and and films and um I think just sort of down the line of that I I've I had to sort of yeah I feel like I just had to really tune into myself and be like what what is it that you want right now because there was many things I loved about working in the lab but something it just didn't feel quite right to me I was I was I was working quite a lot by myself, um, working on a computer. I was programming a lot. Um, right. I, I didn't feel like there was enough of a, when I say social element, I mean like direct connection with people. Um, yeah, and or, from my impression from you talking about the theatre side, you're working with directors and the set people and everything like that, like that team seems quite important to you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it is. And I'm not saying there's definitely like a team thing in in science labs for sure at least the jobs that I was doing and what I could see in front of me as a career path to me felt too isolated and also you, you you're you're fighting just as much for funding and for your right to exist and for your work to exist as a scientist just as much as you are as an artist you're constantly facing rejections you're constantly facing failures in your experiments this you know the drive that I'm going to need to see this through is actually what I have for something else. So I'm going to say goodbye to this. And, um, and I decided to, yeah, to leave the lab and focus purely on my career as a performer and theatre maker and started to have my side hustle as tutoring. Um, yeah. And then I got an agent and I got my first TV job and from that TV job, I was um, I was I was kind of typecast a bit because I although I was super grateful to be part of this um, production, it was called The Tunnel um, with Clemence Posey and Stephen Delane, yeah. two incredible actors, and Stanley Townsend's in it as well, who's also insane. Um, mm. And I I was in three episodes, and it was like a really big job for me at the time. And it was I mean it was like my first big big job. I, yeah. although I was really grateful for it, I didn't, I don't know, it was, um, you're part of, you're part of like a cog of a machine in a big production like that. And my yeah. role was to be like this victim, this vulnerable victim who, you know, had been sex trafficked, all sorts of awful things had happened to her. Oh, she was yeah. constantly like in tears, beaten up, hardly speaks any English. It was a very sort of like, um, in my opinion, very one dimensional space um, right. to, to be in. And I found that after I did that, you know, once you do one job, people sort of only trust you to do that thing. So all my auditions after that were for similar (laughs) victim roles. And I was like, oh, gosh, I'm going to have to break this cycle. Like, what am I going to do? 
Yeah. So I was like Googling you a little bit. Oh, yeah. And I found um, on like mandy.com, they describe your voice style, which I never realized was like a thing. Oh, yeah. And it was really interesting to see that they'd described your voice. So I guess actors and actresses and, and writing and things like that, they'll obviously put you, like you were saying, like typecasting you. So they'll then be like, this is your type of actor. This is your type of writing style. Like, how do you deal with that since you could say you like a lot of change and things like yeah. that? Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's, I think that's, I don't know, actually. Um, yeah, I think it can be really frustrating if, if people, if people do that, but you've just got to keep finding different people <laughs> as well. Like if you're applying to, if you're applying for funding from certain organizations and they think your work isn't kind of um, explained enough. I remember that was like something that we were finding quite tricky, me and my collaborator, Fove. We sort of really like yeah making and devising work that's like not just based on a pre-written script like let's go to the rehearsal room let's let's have some ideas about themes that we want to explore let's invite some people in that we want to work with like a movement director and let's have some let's go take some trips to the gallery let's fill our brain with inspiration like this kind of um, compost heap of ideas and then let's follow our instincts in the room and not plan too much and see what happens and then from that kind of amorphous shape of something let's try and carve away and give it more direction and make it into a final thing so we like to work from the place of like the unknown and much more of your subconscious um kind of leading leading your leading your way creatively and a lot of people find that very uncomfortable they sort of if they're going to give you money to develop something they're like but we don't know what you want to do yet like how do you how do you not know yet what it is that you want to do um so yeah it is it is hard um but there are some there are some organizations out there who do support that way of working and do think that's important because you know we think the power of your subconscious is probably greater than your than your kind of conscious planning um power at least creatively I guess my answer to that would be like find keep keep looking keep searching out the people who do find your work exciting and who do think that your sort of range of ideas is exciting yeah and I think change is exciting you know like changing I like changing direction all the time so the people who I was really admiring in in theatre but also in film I kept sort of noticing um where they had come from because you know you sort of get obsessed with performers and arts you sort of look up everybody that you love every time you see somebody or something that you love you look up yeah, who they course, are yeah. where they came from da 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 and the school kept popping up called Ecole Philippe Gollier, um, which is this anarchist clown school in a small market town in France um, with a huge international following. And yeah. I decided after many sort of conversations with people who had been there, I decided to give it a go. And my initial plan was just to stay there for one term. But I loved it so much. So I stayed for like a year and a bit. It was great. It was a really, really awesome, awesome time. Um, and it opened up my imagination again and gave me that confidence that I felt like I'd lost earlier on. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was incredible. And then sort of carried on from there, making as much work as I could, um, slowly applying for my own funding to be sort of the creative lead on projects myself as well. Um, and I've now done some work that's supported by the Arts Council, which is really exciting. Mm-hmm. And we were planning to go to Edinburgh with a show, funnily enough, inspired by my time working in a lab about a woman who 
ends up falling in love with her lab rats <laughs> and um, it was it was really exciting and we'd sort of we'd built a great team around it we'd done a whole research and development phase the arts council was behind it Cambridge Junction was behind it and then we had a space in Edinburgh booked everything everything and then obviously coronavirus um yeah. so we've had to put that on oh, hold so I know but you know at yeah. the time you actually don't even feel like it's annoying it honestly at the time it was just like you know this is happening to the world you really didn't think too much yeah, exactly, about your yeah. own about your own stuff but yeah. now now yeah now I've been focusing on on writing I got um some emergency funding support from the arts council actually and I was able to take like a writing course slowly moving a little bit into film and short film and art film stuff yeah yeah you don't seem I don't know if it's like innate modesty but like the courage to be able to say that and do that in like implement it in your life and the same thing is like taking the courage to be like you know what the labs aren't for me and then through this time now through quarantine um how you've taken the courage to be like well you know actually performing right now isn't an option so I'm gonna have the courage to step into a new realm and do like more writing and things like that so do you realize that you have this much courage how do you find the courage to do things like that I think that's really kind to call it courage I think for me it's it's actually from a place of like like from a place of need really like if I'm not if I'm not working on if I'm not imagining something if I'm not creating something if I'm not building something with people who inspire me I feel I don't I I just don't feel quite right really um so it's kind of it actually comes from like a place of need for me um and it's when I feel most alive and so when you if you shut those parts down and if you realize like okay the world has literally shut down you are not allowed to do your play in Edinburgh all Mm. theatres are falling you know down the drain plans that you had for the next three years probably are going to have to change a lot either you either you kind of sit with that and you cry um which you can do (laughs) as well and I've definitely (laughs) done or you can or you can just start you actually do you know what actually you don't even do anything stuff just starts happening inside you and you're like I need to start writing honestly that's what happens you're like right I'm like I've got too much going on inside me that I have to start writing and then you start writing Mm. and then you kind of like keep writing and then you start reading about writing and then you start reading about readers who have written about writing and you're like this is very exciting what's this world (laughs) Um, yeah and you know I have and as somebody who's yeah I guess my interests are a bit more kind of um wide ranging maybe than maybe as like a straight-laced actor so I've I was anyway a subscriber to the wonderful short story magazine called Granta, which does, you know, an incredible kind of, I would say again, like experimental short stories, like they sort of don't always follow the normal form of storytelling. There's a lot of something called creative nonfiction, creative nonfiction. So people's own experiences (laughs) that they retell in a creative way. Um, A lot of sort of poetry and photography. Um, So I was anyway reading that magazine. I anyway had that being delivered it was a different world that I would sometimes enter um for inspiration and same for film like um I've been to the wonderful Serbian film festival Palich and we see we see like incredible arts picture house cinema there um so there's like you only have your fingers in different pies you know and then when when one door shuts you sort of just wait for other doors to open inside you but also outside you who's giving you those Mm -hmm. opportunities um yeah who's kind of interested to talking 
who's interested about talking to you about yeah I like that a lot. I the similar idea I was reading. Um, they were sp- explaining how she describes herself as a multi passionate entrepreneur, and like her path is like she does like lots of different things. And I think the same thing with me is like when I see in school we're kind of streamlined into you know you have like one career path mm. and like you you train and you learn for them one thing and then you do the job. And I feel like my brain doesn't really work like that. I think similar to you, like it it wants to go like what excites me mm. and then go into that and then for me it's like very it, it changes like often it would have what excites you when you say about this like fluid change which I think by the way fluid like fluid intelligence and fluid kind of change is is the essence of creativity this is like transformation yeah it's a very yeah. creative mindset I well I initially was when I was in school I was like wanted to be a lawyer barrister a lot because Uh, so we both did music and Mm -hmm. I really I like performing but it it was really nerve-wracking for me I wasn't I played piano and bassoon and for piano when I would perform my fingers would shake so much that Mm. I would miss the key like that's how much my fingers were shaking and then um but I really love public speaking so for me those two are extremely different and I think Paris is it for me and then I started studying physics at a level and I ended up doing my EPQ on it because I absolutely loved black holes and cosmology mm. and things like that. Mm-hmm. And so that's what then I decided to do at university. But at university, I feel like there's this whole like entrepreneurial side. I think maybe it just comes from like, I want to be my own boss. So then there's this entrepreneur side of me and like environmental activist. So mm-hmm. right now, like trying to develop things and initiatives and things like that for environmental things. And then obviously this podcast and for a little while I had like an e-commerce shop going on and for me so things it seems fleeting but I guess I'm just trying to find my way but I guess it's all in the process too because I enjoy everything I do as I do it. Mm. Just when you were saying about searching in the process I think a lot of people find that a very uncomfortable place to be in. It's similar actually about the way that me and my friend Fove make theatre like this place of the unknown and a lot of people I think run away from that and they would much rather have something secure even if even if it doesn't speak to them at the like core of their being, they they are happy, you know, I don't want to use the word settle because that sounds like I'm undermining them, which I'm actually really don't want to do. It's just a personal preference of like, what do you yeah. trade? Is it security and kind of planning and safety um, to have a, you know, stable and wholesome and, you know, uh, se- yeah, secure life? Or do you stay in this place of discomfort and searching yeah. for, you know, against against all the kind of not humiliation humiliation is like a really strong word but a lot a lot of people will judge you on that and sort of not understand that and they mm. will be like but wait wait what is your plan like you're just gonna sort of keep meandering around until you <laughs> until yeah. you what until you what and you're kind of like well yeah. actually all I'm doing is yeah without sounding too cheesy you're just following your truth and like mm. you, you know this whole idea of like a career or like you say, like a narrow kind of job description. I don't know how like in line that is with the essence of our being and our interests. Yeah, as we as we grow and yeah. we like learn different things. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's for me. It struggles between um, mentality and society of keeping productive and keeping busy. So for some reason, you always feel like you have to be doing something, and then grappling with the idea of like, am I doing this because? I genuinely enjoy it or because 
I just want something to do mm. and that, that for me is like I know this is a creative outlet for me but is it a creative outlet for for the foreseeable future or is I know that it's going to be fleeting but so do, you, me, do, you, more... do you think you have to know the answers to that straight away though because sometimes you can be attracted to something and like give it a go and that yeah. and that in itself is like a really I think noble and like like you say courageous choice even if you know in six months time you're like actually this isn't something that I want to do that doesn't does that undermine your sort of attend I actually kind of leads into my next question it was like I feel like when you're in a certain space then you can build a group of people like you can build your little black book of people Mm. who if you want to create a project or something you can but like, like so like you said for your like writing there are people and then you can can connect with but if I keep jumping from space to space, I feel like I don't develop um, support and community in mm. any area that I go in. So how did you find the community or like your little black book of people that you reach out to or you, yeah, you know, you collaborate with? Yeah, it's not, it, it, they, they're rare. These people are really rare, I think. Mm. And like the only way to really find them, the, 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 the true ones, <laughs> the ones, yeah. the ones who are in it for the long haul are, I, I really, for me personally, it's about throwing yourself into as many experiences as possible and like going in there wholeheartedly, jumping in both feet and, you know, it's being just really open to who you're meeting and, and following your instincts to who you're drawn to um and sometimes you're the person that somebody else is drawn to and you've got it and you should let them in too just to sort of see what's what's what there yeah so I'm trying to think for my collaborators so a really important collaborator for me is um somebody I met at UCL who directed that Avignon show and we continued working together his name's Luke Davies and we continued working together on a number of productions afterwards I think we just have very good sort of complicity, which is like yeah. the idea of, yeah, like working really well together, um, trusting each other's instincts and ideas. So that was like a university connection, I guess. And then Fove, my other um, amazing collaborator, I met, we were both actually going to an acting class for like sort of, sort of like commercials. It was like a commercial acting class and we sort of didn't, right. we were like, at one point in the class I think both of our eyes kind of glazed over and we were a bit like what are we doing here and our eyes just like (laughs) met across the room literally and we went out for cocktails after that class and haven't looked back since at all (laughs) so we sort of (laughs) met in a space that we were both like questioning a little bit um and then other collaborators I met at Golia that I went to one girl I actually met at like a tutoring event that I went to um, for tea and biscuits <laughs> and we we like connected and started chatting and then we were into similar things um, so that's Rebecca Webster and mm. through different kind of exposures to people and again like with theatre you're kind of lucky because you're constantly you're constantly meeting new people because you're either in a workshop scenario or in a rehearsal space whether it's led by you or somebody else there's like a bunch of people in that room yeah um, so the movement director that I met was from a workshop later on though you know when you're leading your own projects you start interviewing people so Mm. I've also met some incredible people through interviews um yeah so I think just putting yourself in lots of different scenarios and just knowing that it's rare you know it's there's a lot of 
temporary sort of collaborators or temporary people that you work with really well just for one project and that's great but the people that you kind of I don't know I guess keep coming back to or who you yeah. ask for that final read through of an application at midnight um, and you know that they'll do it <laughs> and you know that yeah. they care and that they're that they support you and you support them those are those are rare yeah mm. so I should also mention female narratives I did meet a bunch of wonderful people through them as well Oh yeah, I saw that when I was mm. when I was googling you. They're such an empowering um, site. So yeah, they're great. They're, they're run yeah. by my great friend Tiana, and honestly, I've met some wonderful, wonderful people through there that I'm still like speaking to. That we are collaborating together on various applications, um, and we yeah support each other as well. Yeah, yeah, I think that's really amazing. So it's like a three part, I'd say, question. I don't really know, mm-hmm. but. Do you have a five-year plan? Do you think it's important to have a five-year plan? And like, if you do, like, where do you see yourself in five years? Oh my gosh. Um, What a (laughs) difficult time to ask that as well with all this going on, because we just don't even know what the next few years will look like. Um, I do believe in having some inherent goals. Yeah. Um, But I don't know if I have a five-year plan. I normally have like yearly goals and yeah, yeah, yeah. things that I sort of would really love to have achieved that year and they're actually normally like super I actually don't normally share them with anybody I sort of keep them very 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 much to myself yeah I think there's something definitely very empowering about having the goal for yourself rather than telling lots of people and then feeling like you end up doing it for them rather yeah. than for yourself yeah exactly and I think you're not at the mercy of somebody else's choice all the time like there are things that you also have control over and I think I think actually not having a five-year plan gives you that a fluidity to constantly be changing um yeah maybe true, yeah actually. maybe there's people who do have a five-year plan and are, and are able still to like manifest lots of change of direction but for mm. me for some reason I can't see clearly past the year <laughs> so I like yeah. I just like focusing that year and that kind of keeps me in this like stream of just going with what comes because yeah we don't always have control over what comes our way yeah I think that's also I feel like we both relate to that I think that's also because we're both creative Mm. so that ability to like change paths and have fluidity and like feel like feel comfortable in in the discomfort or like at least be able to handle this discomfort of not knowing where you're gonna go yeah, I think it's also just an exciting and like we both like I don't know, relish is the right word, but yeah, to be good in that space. Yeah. So that's about all the questions that I, had, that I wanted to chat to you about. So thank you so much um, for coming on the episode, and thank you so much for giving me the time. No worries. It's been fun. Thanks yeah. for having me. Have a great day. Yeah, you and, too. Uh, thanks so much, and to the listeners, <laughs> thanks so much for joining us and everything. I'll link in the blog in the show notes yeah okay shall we call it a day let's call it a day (laughs) yeah okay well thanks for listening and thanks for joining us tanya bye bye bye